Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. And then just turn your palms towards heaven. We are literally in the afterglow of, of a shift that happened over our city, that happened over our ladies, that happens over our homes. If um, they shut down, they shut everything down in 2020 because they wanted to believe that if you were exposed to COVID, you could bring that and into your home and death would result. We just had 2,200 ladies exposed to something a billion times more potent. A million times more radioactive than nuclear, that they were in the anointing, in the glory, in the presence of Almighty. We would be foolish to think that they don't carry something back that will that will transfer, that will affect their marriages, their homes, their finances, their bodies, their future. The, prom- the conference was called Yes and Amen. All the promises are yes and amen. We thank you for miracles being released, miracles being released, miracles being released. Remember when the, the world is screaming recession, 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 you don't have to participate. Let the world have their recession. You need to understand in the middle of a world having a recession, in the world having a famine, the promises of God are still yes and amen. The promises of God aren't yes and amen only in favorable, only when the economy's robust, only when the promises of God are yes and amen in every season, in the drought, in the famine, in the desert, on the mountaintop, in the valley, in the hard time, in the nighttime, the promises of God are yes and amen. Father, we thank you for the miracles. We thank you for the breakthrough. We thank you, Father, for what happened over this weekend. We thank you that San Diego awaken will never be the same again because of this extraordinary conference. And I thank you for my beautiful bride, Lord, that you would just continue to refresh her and bless her. And uh, every husband that got their wife back is so grateful. And every husband said, Amen. Come on, one more time. Let's give the Lord just a great praise. Give someone a high five. Tell them they are really, really ridiculously good looking. You may grab a seat. I want to just encourage you. um, We had a a, a wonderful gentleman here uh, who's going to be speaking in a couple of weeks at uh, one of our Emerge Nights at Balboa. And I had the privilege of hearing him speak in Washington, D.C., hearing him pray up in uh, Sacramento. His name is Kevin McGarry, and he's written a couple of books. Uh, one of the, those is Woked Up, and he is just prolific. And so those books are going to be available, uh, but we're only buying 200 of each just as a thing. So just have a look for that and then make sure you, you get that. How many people know that readers are leaders and leaders are readers? They say that uh, the average CEO reads about 30 books a year. So if you're like, well, I'm not a CEO. Well, guess what? You can start reading and uh, 
Amen. Awesome. Well, come with me in your Bibles, Hebrews 12, verses 2. Hebrews 12, verses 2 uh, says that uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the... Come on, He's the author and the... He's the author and the finisher. He positions Himself. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Aleph and the Taf. He's the God at the beginning and He's also God. He's the God at the finish. He's the God at the finish line. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So you better believe that God doesn't just save you and then abandon you. He doesn't just save you and then forget you. He doesn't just save you and say, okay, I'm done here. Try harder, do better next time. He's the, he's the God that begins you. You get born again and then He is with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's His agenda? His agenda is to finish you as the masterpiece. Next year, the conference is called His Masterpiece. I believe Leanne was hearing prophetically you are His masterpiece. So today, the title of my message is Architect, Author, Finisher. And uh, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about God this morning, which is very important, very important in church, talk about God. But then I want to talk about God's favourite subject, God's favourite topic, you. I, I tell everybody, because uh, I didn't grow up in church, that the, the two greatest things that can happen when you read the Bible is the first one is you see God. When you read the Bible, you see God. The second great thing that happens is once you see God, you begin to see you. You begin to see you. We, we, we all see ourselves in the mirror or so we believe, but all you see in the mirror is not actually who you are. All you see in the mirror is your reflection. You actually don't see your identity, you see your reflection in the mirror. Most people don't know who they are. Right now we have a generation struggling with identity. Identity is the great issue and the great challenge. And there's a lie from the devil that has swept in that maybe because you don't know who you are, what about, have you ever thought that maybe you might be born in the wrong body? Maybe you ought to change your gender. Maybe you ought to sign up for, maybe you need to take these blockers and maybe you need, and so we have a whole generation susceptible to the lies of the devil. Well, it's so important that we begin to preach identity because when you find God, you will find you. The Bible says our lives are hid in God and they are revealed in Christ Jesus. Your life is hidden in God. When you find God, you'll find you because you were made in His image and in His likeness. So God's, when, when you read the Bible, you should, you should see God. And then as you continue to read the Bible, you should see yourself. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, come with me. Jeremiah 1.5. It'll make sense. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says this. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He knew you before you were formed in the womb. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now he's speaking to Jeremiah, but we're going to pull some truths out of here because God is no respecter of persons. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, I said, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. You shall go to all whom I send you to and whatever I command you, that you shall speak. 
Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Amen. I've got six points this morning. You guys are amazing. I say that any other campus and they laugh me off the stage. You guys are the real faith people in San Diego. Thank you. All right. Number one, number one, number one. Architect, author, finisher, love you. Architect, author, finisher. Number one, life precedes conception. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, before your father's seed connected with mama's egg in the ovum, before I already knew you. I already knew you. God lives in eternity. God created time. The reason He created time is because you and I live in a world that, 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 is, that is bent away from God. We live in a world where there is death and there is pain and there was suffering. There was never meant to be death, pain and suffering. So the way that God ended death, pain and suffering was He took on death, pain and suffering to redeem you and I from death, pain and suffering. He created time so the time would come when time would be no more. When you go to the store to buy milk, I hope you check the expiration date. One time I went by a gas station because we needed milk. I thought, well, well, I'm passing the gas station. I could stop and go to, but by the time I park, it's just easier. So I'm gonna put gas and I'll get the milk, but I didn't read the expiration date. And I got home, it was the last, I thought, where's the last milk left? How blessed, it's the last gallon of milk. Wow, God, you're so amazing. And uh, I realized the reason why it was the last one left is because it was four days past the expiration date. When, it, when something's past the expiration date, God created time so that the devil would have an expiration date. You can't have an expiration date without time. God created time so that sin, that death, that sorrow, that cancer, that misery, that suffering, that loss, that grief, that injustice, oppression, wickedness, evil has an expiration date. The time will come where those things no longer exist, where God wipes away every tear from every eye. It's what God does. But the Bible says that God who lives outside of time knew you before you were even conceived. So in this church, we didn't just celebrate the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We didn't just celebrate, but we, we commemorate the fact that, that the Bible has no other position when it comes to life. The Bible has no other position. The Bible is pro-life. The Bible is pro-life. So life precedes conception. Uh, this tells me something. This tells me that, that uh, in Genesis 1, God made man in His image and in His likeness. 
Verse 27 says, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. That tells me that every single person in the womb carries the Imago Dei, carries the image of God, carries the image of God. That makes every single person not only unique and special, but it makes them of infinite value. You, you can't put a price on a human being. You can't put a price. The world will try and tell you that, no, 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 you're, you're, no, 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 <laughs> slow down, slow down. No, no, your value is based on your ethnicity. You're Hispanic, you're Caucasian, you're, you, you shut up, devil, you liar. Your ethnicity has nothing to do with your value. Well, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, yeah, but this person came from royalty. They're worth more than, not to God, darling, not to God. Every single human being, every single human being is priceless. Are you talking about, what, what about in Africa? Like Bill Gates is right. We've we got we to dump our, our vaccines in Africa. And, uh, and you know, I, we know the results in Barron, but they're having way too many children. You know, there's not enough resources. Rather than plant more stuff, let's just kill more, more people. And this is how we can do it. You know, the, 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 and those people are of lesser value. I mean, look at them. They, they live in mud huts with, with dirt floors and we could just, oh my gosh, you wicked, evil spirit. Every single child, every single human carries the Imago Dei, carries the image of God. They are of infinite value. Now, let me just tell you, don't take my word for it. Don't even take the Bible's word for it. Every Everything in the Bible, the same God that created the, or that wrote the Bible is the same God that created biology. The, the, the physical world always amends biblical truth. So if, if you here are involved in real estate, you'll find that you may believe that your home is worth this and you may hire a realtor and say, hey, I want to sell my home for this. And, and the realtor to get the deal, to get the listing may, oh, okay, well, I really think, oh, but to get the listing say, yes, oh yes, let's list it at that. But after three months where it hasn't sold and nobody's come through and no one's visiting the open home, the realtor's got to have the conversation with you saying, hey, listen, your price is a little unrealistic because you actually don't get to set the price. The realtor doesn't even get to set the price. The market determines the price. Something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. Something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to know when Jesus came into the earth, He came to redeem mankind. The word redeem means to buy back. The word redeem means to buy back. Jesus did not come reluctantly. It didn't come saying, oh my God, what am I going to do? Die for these people? <sighs> he didn't come. He didn't come because the father promised him, son, listen, I, I know, I know, I know what I'm asking you. Listen, if you do this, I'll give you trillions. When they nailed Jesus to the cross, they didn't, they didn't have to, he gave his hands. He gave when they put one leg on top of the other and drove one nail through both shins into the wood. The Bible says he gave his back to those. Why, why, hang on, why? You ask yourself why. 
Hang on, hang on. Are you telling me God didn't pay him? God didn't pay him. Are you telling me he wasn't forced? He wasn't coerced? Like I was brought up Roman Catholic and, and we only ever see Jesus weak. Go to St. Peter's Basilica, go to Rome. You, you see Jesus, he's either hopeless on a cross or he's helpless as a baby. Jesus, he wasn't crucified because, you know, he just came to, to suffer and, you know, he was powerless to do anything else. Jesus said to the disciples, he says, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you want me to pray? You want me to pray, Father, save me from this hour? Guys, for this reason I have come forth. Do you not think that I could ask the Father for 10 legions of angels and he would deliver me? I haven't come to deliver myself. Even on the cross, he saved others, save himself. Himself he cannot save. Save yourself and then we'll believe you. He didn't come to save himself. He came, think about it, he came willingly, took the nails willingly, was crucified willingly. Why? Because God evaluated the transaction that something is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. He is saying, this is how valuable you are. I don't believe it. You don't understand. Exactly. Because you have lived in a bubble of a fallen world where Satan has spewed his lies that has infected, that has contaminated, that has polluted our education system, our news media, our programming. You, you, you're told that, no, no, you, you weren't created by God. You're a monkey that evolved over billions of years. Oh, but don't ask me why we still have monkeys and don't ask me why none of those monkeys are, are evolving. Uh, you, 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 you're just an accident. It's just random forces colliding together. There is no design. That's funny. Tell me, explain a banana. Well, you know, don't look too deeply because you'll see that there's design and just all the fruits and all the vegetables just happen to be essential to our diet. But don't look at that. It's all just an, and, and, and so they want you to believe that, that you're, you're a random cosmic act. But the Bible says, no, 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 you were created in the image and the likeness of God. And because you bear the Imago Dei, Jesus says, let me just underscore, let me just confirm your value. Something is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Jesus says, I will pay. I will pay. That's why we protect every single life in the womb, regardless of skin color, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of demographic, of social standing financial standing, we, we protect every life because every life has meaning, has value, has significance, has infinite worth. Somebody say amen. The first woman in the Bible, her name was Eve. When, when, when God created woman from Adam's side, pulled out a rib and then made her, which is interesting because God created all the animals, male and female, but he created them from the dust. He created the, 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 the bull and he created the cow from the dust. He created the, the deer and he created the stag from the dust, from the dust. But when it came to man, he created man from the dust, but he didn't create woman from the dust. He could have, everything else was created from the dust, but he didn't. He actually went to man and 
took out a rib from the man. It's going to cost you something. Don't be thinking, oh, I get a wife and it costs me nothing. The rib protects the heart. The rib protects the lungs. The rib cage protects the inner organs. Nobody can wound you, but nobody else has such great access to bring such great joy to your inner than her. And it's going to be a little bit tender. This is important for you because you need to learn how to be tender with her. So he creates the woman from Adam's flesh, not from the dust. So two animals may mate and part. Two dogs may mate and part. A deer, and a, may, but not for man. God created. She came from him. And the two shall become one again. That's how God created it. God created marriage for life. I was so proud of Pastor Mike. My, my Leanne was blowing up my phone saying, Pastor Mike's on the front row cheering on Pastor Katie. Pastor Katie is dropping it. Man, what an incredible word. She's preaching this beautiful story on Sarah, how she laughed with mockery and laughed with unbelief and laughed with scorn and laughed. How often, but then at the end, she laughed at the goodness of God and named her child. What, what a message. Oh my gosh, baby, you got to see it. But, but she said for her, the, the highlight was Pastor Mike on the front row. I loved it because the next day, Pastor Melissa Higginbottom was speaking and there was Colin Higginbottom on the front row. In this church, we're, we're, it's not a man's club. I, I, I can't stand the misogyny that's, that's throughout the churches, that it's, it's a man's club. And, and let me bring out my wife, like, like King Ahasuerus does, you know, brings out his wife for show and tell, and then, yep, now, now go hide again. This is boy's stuff, darling. And, uh, but I want to bring you out and parade you in front of, you know, that's the story of Esther. And uh, we don't do that. We don't do that. Our, our, my wife is brilliant. My God. I sit there and listen to her and I'm like, babe, do you mind if I just take notes? That was just like, <laughs> shut the gate. Where did you? I don't know why you're laughing. You're the same. You are brilliant. You are brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Katie, Agar, our girls, brilliant. They are brilliant. So the first woman was called womb man. And you've heard me. You know, he said, this is, this, she shall be called flesh of my flesh, bone of my, she shall be called womb man for she was taken out of man. She was taken out of man, womb, from the inside out. She was taken out of man, womb man. But then at the end of Genesis 3, the Bible says, and, and Adam called his wife Eve. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew is cheva, chava, the Hebrew. And it means life bringer, one who brings forth life. Because he gives her a seed, but she brings forth life. The first woman came out of man. But after that, every single human that has breathed and walked the planet came from the woman. Because the woman is the life bringer. Isn't it just like Satan? Isn't it just like the devil? That the very womb that God created to, to seed and house and bring forth life, he would go in to try and baptize a generation with his spirit, which is death. To bring death in the very region, that's why we are pro-life. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Life precedes conception. Number two, 
purpose and mission precede birth. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet. Mission and purpose precedes birth. Before you were born, God had a mission and God had a purpose for your life. Nobody just and, and God's like, Gabriel, what was that? Um, oh gosh, I, I, I think there was a baby born. Did we know about it? Well, it was, I guess it was an accident. Uh, have we got any plans and purposes? Oh, let me have a look. Oh, oh, we're, we're fresh out. We have no plan and purpose. Listen, can I just tell you, God knew you were coming. He even had nine months to prepare at worst. At worst, he had nine months to prepare. He knew you were coming. Not only did he know you, you were coming, but the Bible says that God knew you before he formed you in the womb and he already sanctified and ordained you as a, he already had a mission and a purpose for your life. They say that there are two great days in every human being's life. Day number one is the day you were born, but day number two is the day you discover why. Two great days in every human being's life. Day number one was the day you were born, but day number two is the day you discover why. There is a why for your when. Every person in this room right now, you had a when, when you were born. We call it your birthday. We call it Feliz Complianos, Feliz Complianos, Arti. Every we celebrate your complian, we celebrate your win. But can I tell you there's another celebration that happens in heaven when your win collides with your God has a why for your win. When you discover why I was born, my God, I was put on this planet. There's a why for your win. Discipleship is the discovery of your why. It's the development of your why and it's the deployment of your why. We know as a church, our measure is not to get people saved, even though we wanna get people saved, but we know that Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. How do you measure discipleship, pastor? I'm glad you asked. We measure discipleship this way. Are people discovering their why? We know their when. July 3rd, 1967, that was my when but it was January, 1986, I discovered my why. My why hit me right between the eyes. Our job is to discover, help you discover your why, help you develop your why, and then deploy it in the marketplace. I mean, I thank God that Mike Yeager, brilliant, the guy is a, he's not just an engineer, he's a creative, he's a freak of nature. Like he can be creative, he can write songs, he can capture a sound in the house and translate it into rhythm, into melody, into harmony and prophetic and shift atmospheres. The guy, if I was honest with you, I don't even like him anymore. It's a little bit intimidating being around him. He can make babies, cute little babies. Is there anything, Mike? Yeah, you can't do, look at Mary's beautiful Katie. To, to hear Katie preach, extraordinary. You know, I had the privilege of, of playing on beautiful Pastor Marco Contreras' golf team. You know, we were obviously robbed by the North team with his Ryder Cup. But I called, I called Leanne and she says, how's it going, how's it going out there? You know, in Palm Springs, three days of battle, the best of North versus the best of South. It was intense, it was awesome. But I said to Leanne, I said, baby, I said, it's not just the golf that's awesome. I said, if something was to happen, if I had a breakdown or whatever and I, you know, was told by the doctors, hey, you got to take, you know, you just got to tap out and you got to just kind of sit. 
I said, I could sit under Marco's leadership. She says, but he, they're not even a campus pastor yet. I said, oh, no, not yet. I said, but, I said, darling, I, he, his leadership, he, he, he gets up and he has a game plan. Tuesday night, it, he, the man has a game plan. He's a warrior, he's a leader, he's courageous, he's virtuous, he's forthright. I said, babe, but then I watched, like we, we had a few, few of the guys lost and, and I watched Marco as a pastor get alongside them and say, okay, okay, listen, we can't change the past, come on. One thing, pressing ahead, forgetting what is behind, come on, let's rally again, you can do this, you got that. I said, he put hope, he put courage, I said, babe, I said, our church is incredible. I could sit under Marco. I could sit under Pastor Mike Yeager. If I never preached again and just attended and just paid my tithe, I said, I could sit under Mike and Katie Yeager and I knew that my life would flourish. Annika, are you kidding? Annika, Annika and Josh. Like, are you kidding me? Have you seen our productions? I had some concepts, I had some ideas. Give them to Annika. Shut the gate. There's nothing on Broadway. There's nothing in Hollywood that compares with what Annika does with our productions. What happened? She discovered her why. She discovered what you have a why for your when. You have a why. Chris Aguilar. Chris Aguilar. Are you kidding me? Well, Pastor, how does that have anything to do with building the kingdom and expanding? He's, you know, he's just a guy that, you know, he's a contractor and he builds. Are you kidding me? He is one of the greatest kingdom advancing warriors. He took his marketplace gift and he brought it to God and he is discovering, he is developing and he is deploying. And I'm telling you, you are a nightmare to the devil when you discover the why for your win. We have a generation, I was in the mall a few years ago and there were these teenagers with marijuana leaves on their, on their, on their shirt. They these black shirts with a marijuana leaf and it says, life, be out of it. And I thought, yes, that's the cry of a generation that doesn't know their why. They only know their when, but they don't know their why. The day you discover why, the day you discover purpose, the day you discover calling, the day you discover is a great day. Number three, number three, number three, number three, number three. He says, and I ordained you as a prophet. Assignment precedes awareness. Assignment precedes awareness. Let me just tell you this, every single child, I don't care who you are, every single child at first when they're young before life and before the devil has a chance to crush their dreams, every single child believes that somehow I'm meant to be significant. Nobody wants to believe that I'm just a number, that I'm just a cog in a wheel, that, that my life doesn't matter. But, but, but we are trained and conditioned to believe that, no, you go to school, what do you go, because everyone's going to school, oh, I, go, I go to school. And then what do I, then you graduate, oh, I graduate, and then, no, no, but then once you graduate, you go to college, then I go to college, and what do I, you get a degree. And what else do I get? You get debt, you get a whole lot of debt, you gotta pay off. But that's okay, because we got a job, now we're gonna need you a job, because you're gonna pay taxes so that the rich elite can do what they do, and then you get a mortgage, and you have children, and then you die. You die and you just keep repeating it. You were not created to just exist. You were not created to coexist. You're not created just to be there. You were created to have significance, to have value. You have an assignment for your life. And the assignment precedes awareness. And I tell everybody that there's two levels of awareness. 
The first level is on the subconscious level. That, that you will know before you know. That you will know before you know. When you walked into this house, the first time you came to church, you heard something and it did not make sense here, but it resonated here. And your head's trying to say, well, hang on, how could that be? And, uh, you know, why does he speak with such a funny accent? And, and you know, the women, should they really, I thought that you meant not have women on the stage. And, and, and they do, they, they, they do a women's conference. Where? In, 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 a, in, a, in a casino? Can, can church really coexist in, in a casino? Where there was... Are you, why, and, but you know here, God has an assignment for your life. And the most beautiful thing about life is Jesus is not a destination, Jesus is the journey. He says, never will I leave you nor forsake you. The greatest thing in life is the journey with Jesus. And Jesus comes to you and you have an awareness that there's an assignment, but it's got to move from here to here. This world tells you everything has to move from here to here. It's the other way around. The first on the subconscious level, I know, I don't know what it is, Pastor, but I just feel like I'm meant to do more than just exist. I feel like I'm meant to do more than just pay taxes. I'm meant to do more than just be a clerk. I'm meant to do more than just be a broker. I'm meant to do more than just be a barista. I want to be the best, but I just feel like there's something that, that's, that there's an assignment proceeds. You know, may be aware yet, but I'm telling you, you get around cherish, you get around emerge, you get around the house of God. And all of a sudden that, that, that invisible, that silent, that quiet, that spiritual dimension begins to get louder and louder. And you begin to be like an, an Enrique saying, man, I've got a comfortable job at Costco. I, you know, I, I, they've got all the bells and whistles, but, but I feel like there's something, but how am I going to make that happen? But you just feel that there's, there's an awareness that kicks in. I know that there's an assignment but, and, and as you begin to step out, you begin to see and you start fulfilling and living your greatest dreams. I want you to know that there is an assignment for your life. Not one of you is a, an accident. Not one of you is insignificant. Not one of you is just there to be a prop. No, no, no. You are meant to be the star. You are meant to be significant. You are meant to change the world. There's something that only you can do that God has for you. Is this all right? Numero cuatro, and I've got ocho minute. Just saying. Uh-oh, pride comes before a fall. Father, I repent right now in Jesus' name. All right, number four. Number four, watch this. Jeremiah says, hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can't speak for I am just a youth. Number four, calling and destiny exceed biology, background, and ability. Your calling and your destiny has nothing to do with your biology, your physiology, has nothing to do with your history, your frame, your background, your ethnicity. It's a lie from the devil. That God has a master class or a master rate. What a load of rubbish. God's destiny and God's calling exceeds your biology, your physiology, your background and your ability. Moses says, who am I? I can't. And God says, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to command him to let my people go. He's like, man, I stammer, I stutter and I'm a shepherd. I can't walk into the, God's call never ever has anything to do with your biology, your background or your ability. 
You'll find that the people that change the world are the people that just threw caution to the wind and just said, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. Abraham, Abraham. God comes to him. His name was Avram at first, not Abraham, Avram. Avram means exalted father. And God says, we're changing your name, boy. He's like, well, thank God, because I'm 99 and I had no kids. And my wife is 89 and she's never produced a baby. What are we changing it to? Fatherless? He goes, no, no, we're changing your name to Avraham, father of multitudes. And right there, he, you, you wouldn't blame Abraham if he broke into a little bit of Espanol and said, un poquito loco. Ay caramba. I mean, like what on earth? Are you, are you kidding me? She's 89. And God says, my calling and my destiny has nothing to do with biology, physiology, background, past, experience. I'm going to show you. I'm going to use you. You're going to be the father of faith. So the whole world can know, I don't need a fruitful womb. I don't need great biology or great breeding or great education or great background. That I am the God that can still do the impossible. My beautiful bride left school at 16. She basically left at the end of her sophomore year in the equivalency in America. Four sisters, all four have degrees. Two of them have double degrees and doctorates. And they laugh at her. <laughs> oh, little Annie, uneducated little Annie. At the kitchen table, it's them sitting around asking Leanne, for wisdom. They look at Leanne, it blows their minds. They say, but how do you stand on platforms? How do you stand on the largest? When, when, when we came to your church, surely this person arrived that way. Surely they, no, no, when they came in, they were broken. But Leanne, heaven, they can't. It blows it, why? Because your calling and your destiny always exceed your biology, your background and ability. Number five, cinco, obedience unlocks greatness. God says to him, do not say I am a youth for you will go wherever I send you and whatever I command you to speak, that's what you're going to speak and I'll be there to deliver you. You know, it was really interesting. When I was in Bible college, there were, there, there, there were, we would do chapel. At 8 a.m. on a Friday morning, we'd do chapel. And, uh, and every, every, every chapel had, you know, a speaker. And, this, you know, it was on a roster. But I remember hearing these guys preach. And, and I had no idea. You know, I was just passionate. I left engineering to go to Bible college. And, and I would hear these guys, and they would put the, <laughs> and I didn't know you could put a, <laughs> at the end of a word. And it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what you're preaching, if you put a, <laughs> and a, come on, somebody. And can I get an amen? I mean, it doesn't matter. You can say, and pancakes. <laughs> and when pancakes <laughs> have that syrup, and the syrup has some candy sugar, and some sugar has some strawberries, can I get an amen? And people go, oh, yeah. I mean, it was just, in a minute, what you're saying is like, it's awesome. And I'm like, oh, man. And then, you know, then the other students are telling me, yeah, that person's daddy's a pastor. And that person's daddy's a pastor and his daddy's daddy's a pastor. I'm like, man, my dad's an atheist. <laughs> so I remember just getting all forlorn. I remember it was all, you know, I was in my, in my kind of 
dorm, I'm like, oh, man, God, you know, I, I should just probably go back to engineering. Like, these guys, you know, everybody knows them because they know their daddies and they know their granddaddies, you know, and who am I? I got nothing. They got history. They got, they were raised in church. They, they know all about that. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> they had the hat and then they had the, you know, the stomp, the foot. And I'm like, come on, this is not fair. They don't learn you that in engineering. I said, God, how do I, how do I compete? But how many people thank God for the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Holy Ghost is your greatest helper. And he said to me, he said, Jurgs, you, you can't compete with their biology or their background or their history. He says, but you can do something. I said, what? He said, you can out-obey them. He says, you can out-obey. I made a decision. I can't, I can't change my past. I can't change my... But you know what? What I, what I do have power over is, is over my choices. So I made a decision that whatever God asks, I, I, I'm going to obey, no matter what. No matter how difficult, no matter what it costs, I'm just going to out-obey them. And then fast forward all these years later, that was 1990. All these years later, 2006, we're celebrating one year in San Diego. And I'm just on a prayer walk and I just said to God, I said, all right, God. I said, I know I'm not your first choice for San Diego. I said, but am I in the top 10? And how many people know that God is not a man that he should lie? Sometimes I wish he would, but he doesn't. And he's like, no, not top 10. Okay. Like probably like 20 though, right? No. 30. 50? 100? I'm like, oh no, what, what did I ask? But the Holy Spirit, our beautiful helper, He said to me, there were many who were called, few were chosen, many are called. He said, but Jürgen, you don't have to worry whether you're God's first choice, God, God's 112th choice. He says, Jürgen, if you do this, if you'll live like you're His last choice, you can live so that the Father never has to grieve. He never has to lament, saying, oh, Jürgen started so well, but then the noise, the accolades, the cheers, the trappings that seduced him. And he no longer does my will. He does, he protects, he, it's all about. So he stopped preaching on this because people might leave and he stopped touching on that because he says, you can live in such a way where the Father never has to look for another. Esther, Mordecai comes to Esther and Esther says, whoa, 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 you, you don't, what you're, you're asking me to go before the king. He hasn't asked for me for months. If you, anybody walks into the king's throne room unannounced death, it's a death sentence. And Mordecai says to her, you know what? Maybe, maybe you'll die, maybe not. But if you think that staying silent at this time is gonna save you, oh no, no. You can be silent. You can say, I'm just gonna sit this one out. I'm gonna let somebody else fight this battle. But you and your house will perish. But don't, don't worry, darling. I know God. Deliverance for the Jews will rise from another location. But Esther, I can't help but think, just maybe, just maybe you 
were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. When she realized that, she burst through the doors and Ahasuerus, Esther, my, my queen, my, what is it that you want? And she brings about the, God is always looking for that one, for that one. I know I wasn't God's first choice. I know I wasn't God, God's 117th choice for San Diego. But I want you to know that, that Leanne and I have already decided in our hearts, we've already purposed that we want whatever is in His heart, my will. Whatever's in His heart, our desire. How many people know that your pastor is a Star Wars fan? For the rest of you, I'm a Star Wars fan. What's your favorite scene in Star Wars? I still, the one that rocks me the most is What is thy bidding, my master? It rocks me. I'm afraid of your anger. There's one called Skywalker, he can... But if he can be turned down. Yes, yeah. Anyway, so, but the scene, the scene is Darth Vader takes a knee. What is thy bidding, my master? And it rocks me because I hear the heartbeat of God saying, can you imagine if every Christian got up every morning before they set about their day, before they had their coffee, before they had breakfast, maybe even before they, they, they got changed for work and just took a knee and said, what is thy bidding, my master? How different the world would be. Come on, let's stand to our feet. <laughs> Lift your hands high to heaven. Obedience unlocks greatness. Behind every great story in history, you will find obedience. John Wesley, we remember him because of his obedience. Abraham Lincoln, obedience. George Washington, obedience. Charles Spurgeon, obedience. Whitfield, obedience. Billy Graham, obedience. Catherine Kuhlman, obedience. But you know what? Those people lived and now they've passed from this life and they sit in the grandstands of heaven. They sit amongst the, 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 the great cloud of witnesses. But now there's a new generation. And if you could listen into the grandstand, if you could listen to Billy Graham, if you could listen to John Wesley, if they had one word for you and I, it would be obedience unlocks greatness. Obedience unlocks greatness. Father, let there be a new generation rising that walks in obedience, that says, Father, what is your will? What is thy bidding, my master? What is thy bidding? That we would, that we would do your will, that we would overcome evil, that we would get behind Pastor Marco to say, you know, it's enough. We're done with the pornography and the perversion and the, and the, the critical race theory. 
dividing, dividing our kids in the playground by their race, by their ethnicity, by skin color. It's enough, it's enough of this wickedness. It's enough of the corruption in government. While Pelosi and Newsom get richer and eat in the finest restaurants and fly on private jets, people are living on streets, on sidewalks, in makeshift tents and dwellings, overdosing on drugs. They've opened the borders so that fentanyl comes in. Fentanyl deaths have gone up 800% in America, but they are living in the lap of, it's enough now, it's enough, it's enough, it's enough. We are pushing back, we are taking back, we are taking our cities back. Friend, the greatest prayer you can pray is what, is, what is your bidding, my master? What is your bidding, my master? Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.